0: continue in worship as um, our special is being sung
1: sin was as black as could be Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin dwelt among men my example is he the word became flesh and the light shined among us his glory revealed living he loved me Dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. glorious day. Rising again, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a oh, glorious day. Oh, glorious day Glorious day One day the trumpet will sound for His coming One day the skies with His glories will shine Wonderful day my This is mine, living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away, rising He justified, freely forever, day He's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Day. Oh, glorious day.
0: Boy, thank you so much. I hope that was a uh, Surprise enough that was supposed to be a surprise was it a surprise okay, good happy early birthday all um, right, oh, thank you so much you could, I, I don't think you could have picked a more appropriate song thank you what what a what a blessing what a blessing thank you well let's continue uh, under god's leading this morning uh, some cross talk things that were said from the cross what Jesus said you know I think a lot of times we get so caught up until uh, we 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 don't know if we believe that those things were really said from the cross or not well I read my Bible this week over and over and over again and and, and I'm convinced if it's in the Bible and it is then it's true and Jesus said it and he didn't say it just because he didn't have anything else better to do. He said it for you and for me. So I pray that God will use this message today as we go through this. These rest of the sayings on the cross. it been a blessing to study. Well, a young boy and his mom attended church together one Sunday morning. And during the sermon, the boy was listening very intently. The preacher's sermon on the cross and the crucifixion was so moving that the boy began to cry. He couldn't control himself. And and the more the preacher preached, the more the young man was touched and moved and, and stirred. And he began to cry out loud. Where everybody in the congregation could hear him, and people began to look at him, and his mom became so embarrassed of her son that she pulled him close to him and said, "Son, don't take it so seriously man, as I read that this morning uh, this week, and as I shared that this morning, i couldn't think help but to think about a question as this: how seriously?" Do you and I take the cross? And I was reminded that the cross has meaning. And that as Jesus hung there on the cross, those things that He said back then and to us today, we need to take them seriously. So could we just for a few moments together, could we just embrace, if you will, the value of the cross? Can we do that today? Please do this for me, if you will. We need to embrace the value of the cross. I want to go back and reread the two verses that I read last week, John chapter 19. Turn there with me, if you will, John chapter 19. And let's read verses 17 and 18. It reads this way. And he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. Where they crucified Him and two others with Him. One on either side and Jesus in the center. The Word of the Lord. And God, we bow before You today thanking You for Your Word. I know, God, there are things in there that we would like to omit, that we would like to, to brush under the rug, if You will. But God, You have given us Your Word in its entirety for us. Personally and corporately. So, God, I pray that we would embrace not only the cross, but we would embrace your holy word today. And I pray in your name and for your sake. Amen. Last week we we saw the first two sayings. And today I want to pick up and cover with you quickly the last five of those sayings. Last week Jesus said, What Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. And then he turned to one of the thieves that asked for forgiveness. And he said what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pick up saying number three. And we find that in John chapter 19 verse 26. In 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, I might add, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, that's John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the, that disciple took her to his own Home. I don't know if you realize this or not, and I'm, I'm sure we we probably are not a hundred percent sure. But in reading and studying this week, I, I was told, I, I was read, I was reading, and, and understood most every guru and expert in the word says that when Jesus was hanging there, and Mary, and, and Mary uh, the, the mother, and, and uh, John were there, it was they were so close that they could could have reached up and touched. His feet. Now again, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. But it does make sense. That that's how close they were to Jesus. But isn't it interesting? Woman, behold your son, is what he says. Son, behold your mother. Can I say this to us? Meeting the needs of others. Meeting the needs of others. As we see Jesus in this Most enormous pain. Do we find Him thinking about Himself? Is He thinking about Himself? Absolutely not. But we do find Him thinking about someone else, at least in this saying, and it's His mother. His mother was on His mind. And on the cross, don't you think that she was reminded that she needed to understand Jesus not only as her son, but now as her Savior. In these two verses, it was Jesus' intent. And it's very clear that he was to commit his mother to the care of John. And John to the care of his mother. Yet, once again, in the middle of all of this pain, what is Jesus doing? He's demonstrating compassion. Church, as I thought about that this week, that's exactly how we are to live. Never so overwhelmed with our pain that we lose sight of the needs of others. Philippians 2, four. we know this verse. Let each of you, or let each of us, look out not only for his or our own interest, but also for the interest of others. How do we rate in meeting the needs of others as Christ Jesus did number four Jesus cries out here he doesn't just say my God my God why have you forsaken me no it, the scripture says that he cried out my God my God why have you forsaken me what is Jesus doing there he's realizing the seriousness of sin And I think so many times we just brush sin under the rug and we don't take it seriously. Jesus died, church, understanding the seriousness of sin. He understood that sin separates, that sin divides. Sin separated God the Son from God the Father. Look at that word forsaken. Forsaken. As I thought about that and as I looked it up in Webster's. Dictionary. I thought, I said, you know, that's got to be one of the most painful words that could ever be used to describe a person. Because it means this, alone and desolate. Alone and desolate. So the Lord Jesus was forsaken, it said. His cry simply meant this, God, why have you deserted me? we must see, listen to this, that as Christ was forsaken, as He was deserted, as He was left there alone, there was some profound significance there. Meaning this, that sin, get this, sin did what nothing else in the world could do. Sin separated. Man could not separate the Father from the Son, Demons could not separate the Father from the Son, nor could Satan separate the Father from the Son. But sin could, and not only sin could, but sin did. It caused the Son to be separated from the Father. And see, keep in mind and realize that God, the God in which we serve, is too holy to look on sin, listen to the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk one verse thirteen says this: "You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness, like the Lord Jesus Christ, church, believers, children of God, we're to be anguished by the separation caused by sin. It should bother us. We must understand that there are consequences of sin, that it literally tears us away from God. Are we taking sin seriously? Number five, Jesus looks down and he says, I thirst. I thirst. Jesus said, I am thirsty. Here we see the true humanity of Jesus. The true human side of Jesus. He was not thirsty for God. He wasn't saying, I'm thirsty for God my Father. He was saying, I'm thirsty for something to drink. He, he needed a physical need met. And guess what? He couldn't get it himself. So what does it tell us? That Jesus depended on others as we should too. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, I teach my kids. Be independent. Don't depend on anyone else. We can all, if we're honest with ourselves, have said we've depended on someone else before in our life. Jesus was familiar with human needs, he was sympathetic towards his children. Listen to Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 says, therefore in all things he had, he had to be made like his brethren and he might, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation or sacrifice for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. 100% man Jesus was. Yet 100% God. But in his humanity, guess what that tells us church? That he was just like us. That he was hungry and weary and sleepy and happy and grieved and he, and he groaned. He felt all the emotions that you and I feel and felt in our life. When he was hungry, what did he need? He needed food. When he was sleepy, he needed someone, uh, someplace to lie down. And when he was thirsty, as it says in saying number five, guess what? He needed something to drink and he depended on others to meet that need. We must be willing to come to that point in our lives to where we admit we have weaknesses. We admit that. So how are we in letting others do for us? Number six, Jesus says in John 19.30, it is finished. It is finished. A triumphant announcement. That Christ died completing the work God gave Him to do. Look at that word finish, if you will. And it simply means this. The race is over. It's done with. But think about this. For many people. Their life ends. And it's over. But their work is not done. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, He meant He had finished His redeeming work. He came into the world to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Still in the book of Hebrews. Flip over a few chapters to chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the, fo- since the foundation of the world. But now, listen to this, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as Jesus finished perfectly what God gave Him to do, that's how we must finish. Jesus endured pain because He could see the results. Now, listen, this is what I'm talking about. Well, this is what the Scripture tells us. Hebrews twelve two. Get this. Jesus endured the pain because He could see what was ahead. He could see the results. Hebrews twelve two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look, get this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We just got through with the winter Olympics. I didn't watch a whole lot of that, but I do know what a what a, an Olympian athlete goes through in training. And how much time and effort and work is put into that. Years of that, just for a split second in some of those events. For what? Have you ever thought about what they did that for? For a gold medal. For a gold medal. How much more should we strive to be what God wants us to be. And at the end of the rope, at the end of our life, at the end of our days, we can say with the Apostle Paul, as he faithfully followed the example of Jesus in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have finished the course. I have finished the race. But you know what I like about that? Paul doesn't make light of that. Paul Paul's even saying it's difficult because what did he say? I have fought the good fight. He said, hey, it was difficult. It was difficult, but it was worth it. Paul was victorious. Was he victorious because he was perfect? Absolutely not. He was victorious because he had done God's will for and in his life. And God wants us to feel the very same way about our lives and be able to say when the end is there that it is accomplished. I have accomplished what God has given to me to do. Now, how are we at doing what God wants us to do? And then lastly, as Jesus hangs there on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Luke twenty three forty six. Commit ourselves to God. Notice how Jesus dies, church. Notice how he dies. He dies this way, entrusting himself to the care of his Father. Should we not live the very same way? Casting all our care on Him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says. Casting all our care on Him. For He cares for you. Meaning this. What does that mean? That we are to put our life, our death, our destiny into the hands of someone else? No. Into the hands of our spouse, our grandparents, our parents, no. In the very hands of God. We're to live totally committed to God. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So that's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? Scripture tells us that we're to present ourselves to God a living sacrifice. And that means all that we are. All that we are. 1 Peter 2:23 who when he was reviled did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously committed himself to God the Father. He gave himself to God no matter how great the pain, no, no matter how much the hostility, nor, nor, no matter how difficult the task. Jesus was willing to face death for you and for me because he knew God the Father would not fail him. First Peter two, three, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, is that not the kind of confident trust that we're to have? Let's review as we close. Let's review as we close. The Lord Jesus Christ, no doubt, Scripture tells us, lived a perfect life and died a perfect death. Both of those, as I thought about that, are examples for you and for me. To try to live a perfect life. And die a perfect death. I think these sayings from the cross. Sum it up well. Yes it happened over 2,000 years ago. And you say. Nah, preacher that really doesn't apply to me. But can I, can I challenge you. That it does. The words of Jesus from the cross. Summed up. The greatest elements of life. Hang on right here. Look at these Look at these verbs. We're to forgive those who sin against us. We're to give the truth to the lost. We're to love selflessly and show compassion to others. We're to understand the seriousness of sin. We're to admit our weaknesses and allow others to meet our needs. We're to finish the work God gave us to do. And lastly, we're to rest assuredly in the hands of a caring, loving God who is faithful and true. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for the message that You have brought to us. Lord, I know that many times we Hear a message over and over again and we get so used to it. It becomes mundane, so to speak. But God, I pray that these seven sayings will never be old to us. That we would realize that a human being we call Jesus. Who was a 100% man at that time in his life. Went through all of that for each of us. So that we one day could be in eternity in a place called heaven. Enjoying the rich blessings, the rich wonderful benefits of being a child of God. Jesus, you did that for us. Lord, may our hearts be challenged to live a life that would bring honor and glory to your name. Speak to us now in this time of decision-making, in this time of response. And I pray, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would allow us to respond to you. We pray in your name.